Diarrhea. I'm setting the bar awfully low. Titus O'Neil keeps running directly into that bar. Get him off my TV, get him off my TV. You make me very angry. The man who has a better IQ than you, the awe-inspiring JC. You should go work for WWE because you'd be so up far up Vince's No, butt. no, no, no. Oh, you are no, such no, a no, suck no, no. You, you are. defend everything, all the bad moves they make. This is the Chopper Knocker Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of the Jobberknocker Podcast. As always, Nestlemania alongside for the ride is JC. And JC, we are ready. We are set for War Games. <laughs> I honestly, I didn't realize that that was this week. But uh, yeah, so we'll have predictions of that at the end of the show. We'll also have AEW is doing a show called Winter is Coming. Also, so we'll known, also, preview that. also known as Get Your Blazer because it's going to get real cold out. That's exactly what it is. Like who gets cold in, in, in Jacksonville, Florida? But that's okay. Whatever. Yeah, they're going for the Game of Thrones thing. You know, it's uh, it's, a, it's about a year late. But, I was you gonna know, say, who cares when it's late? Now, whatever, <laughs> I, whatever. It is what it is. All right, so we have a lot to get to this week. There's a lot to talk about, so we should probably start the way we always start in the shine. You'll always be in my shine. Mwah. Still out with injury, but still a stud and always in the shine. Mandy Rose. Maybe we'll get to her tag team partner who returned this week on Raw later in the show. But yeah, not we're in not the shine. Starting the shine with that. So that's the many I'm looking at. It. I actually, I think SmackDown was a much better show. I enjoyed most of it. Wow. But I want to start on Raw because my favorite thing this week, and I didn't think it would be my favorite thing. So when I started watching, I'm like, oh, here we go again. But this was my favorite thing of the week. It was the three backstage promos with Riddle. I don't know what it really? is. But that motherfucker just makes me laugh. Like, I'm literally watching it and his stupid dopey, like, bro. I'm just laughing at everything he's saying. Like, they're so simple. Like, the thing with Keith Lee, it's like, you know, they're buddies, but they're comp- comp- competitors. And then, obviously, the one with Styles, like, it's the skipper thing. And the fucking, you know, the big guy actually talked. He got a new name, by the way, too. Um, I hope you wrote it down, because I didn't. But, and then it's just like, it's like, okay. So, and there's something I want you to pay attention to. Is Byron Saxon mentioned on commentary. He said, Riddle knows what he's doing with these, because it's his own way of, like, playing mind games with his opponents. And I agree. I think he's a moron, and I think it's part of it is on purpose because it does kind of like throw people off, so you don't maybe expect it. Because uh, the one thing we forget is when we watch him is he is a legit MMA fighter. He's an ass kicker. He can take a beating. So this like little dumb boy act, I think is I think it's it's who he is, but I think it's also like over the top. But obviously, you know where I'm going for the big one is I once again we got backstage magic with MVP. It also set up his next feud, but. I don't know what it is with those two interacting, but for me, it is such gold, and it is so comedic and entertaining. And it's just like, look at man, say what you want about Riddle, but we know he's good in the ring. His character is fucking weird and stupid and annoying, but it works, and especially when you're mixing him with these people, like, it seems to work with everyone. I think, as much as I'd hate to admit it, I think he's just a good foil. Like, he's just, he's good, yeah. he's just good at being able to be the antithesis of what the person is across the ring from him, no matter what it is. I think regardless of who he faces, whether it's a baby face or heel, it's just kind of like nobody's like him. So he's different in every way, which is great because mm-hmm. I know that Vince will love that kind of stuff. He's probably belly aching with the dumb humor, but I just, I 
three of them were a little too much for me. Like, I wish we had gotten to the MVP thing a lot sooner than we did. Like, the to me, the, the, the dead sexy comment that he said about <laughs> Drew McIntyre, that was a little <laughs> much for me. Seeing as though that Drew already can't shake the uh, Big Daddy Scots, or whatever the hell he called himself, Big Daddy Claymore, whatever he fucking called himself. I'm sure TJ or Ray Ray can tell me. They He's the Scottish warrior now. The Scottish warrior, which again, honestly, gives him the flavor that he probably needed, but that's fine. But I forget what the second promo was. With the it was it went it went Keith Lee and, and AJ to set oh, up the match. I thought it was MVP, and it's just like it. I don't, to me, I thought it made perfect sense, and it was just something that like Rod does do a good job of breaking up the night with different types of segments because they do have three hours, so they do have a good mix. But at the same time, yes, you get a lot in one night, but it's just the nature of it having that extra hour. But for me, like when I was looking back this week, I'm like, those are the most memorable things, and they were the funniest things. And like as I'm watching it, like I'm trying not to laugh, and I'm just laughing. It's like this is what why I watch wrestling. Entertain me, and this is entertaining me more than anything right now. It's silly and as dumb as it is, for right now, it's working. The fact that you led the shine off with this makes me feel like you have something wrong with you. Just saying. No, it's just it's one of those things. I saw your tweet too, and it's like because I kind of want to hate him too because right. he's annoying. But at the same time, he's so incredibly entertaining that I think you hit it right up the nail on the head. You said it better than I could. You said he's the perfect foil for anyone, literally anyone, no yeah. matter what they are. He's the perfect foil because of who he is. And I think that is like that is a home run in wrestling. And that means like the fact that he could work with anyone and feud with anyone, I think is opens a lot of doors for him. I think having a heel riddle would be a, a total mistake, honestly, because I don't know if you could do this character. He doesn't need to be because he's just like he's an enigma. He's just him. Yeah, he's an enigma. Yeah. Speaking of enigmas, I'm gonna put this in the shine because I I had very low expectations, like lowered expectations. When I saw this, I, I I rolled my eyes, and if I rolled any further back, I would have been Mark Calloway. I was so upset when I saw Symphony of Destruction. I thought, there's no brawn. There's no brawn, JC. That means I can't have anybody coming out and going... and smashing a big base, although I was proven, proven wrong on that one. But this matchup has kind of things where I was just going, okay, back and forth. It's Elias. We all know the joke. Elias, when he's wrestling, he's not really wrestling. This then, wasn't really a wrestling match, though. Right. It was Gaga, as we usually say on the program, and it's fine. Uh, but there, you know, I, I went into this, I, again, I wasn't watching it live, so I kind of had it. People were telling me what was going on, and I, I couldn't really know what was going on. I didn't see pictures or videos yet. Uh, but I watched an hour late into it and then had to catch up on DVR, which is incredibly easy when you watch Monday Night Raw. Um, but so I, I was, it was very pedestrian to me until the electrocution. Like when I saw the electrocution, I went, okay. Like then the fact that he kind of like paused and then his arm limped and he kind of like twitched. I was like, all right, that's cool. That's cool. And then we had the fucking idiot go up on top and do the fucking swanton and crash his fucking skull in, which again, it's the kaboom of the week. I mean, what's what we're talking about, right? Like, you know, it, it, if anything at all, Jeff Hardy is good for a good car crash, and this is exactly what a car crash is. I don't like either of these men. They're not Nestle guys, and I'm sure everybody's clamoring, you know, to clap for that one. But I don't necessarily believe that these guys are people that are going to be world champions, in my opinion, ever again. I think that, they're, you know, they're definitely upper middle card, and they're exactly where they're supposed to be. They, they tell those stories that need to get in and give us a palate cleanser. But... This match for me was two things. Like I said, it was the electrocution and it was the, you know, the, the idiot move at the end where he could have killed himself essentially, which is what he's known for. Um, but you figure being at his older age, you figure he now doesn't do the swanton the way he used to. Maybe that's why he got himself in trouble in the first place, because if he had just done the swanton like an, a younger Jeff Hardy, he probably wouldn't have undershot it and landed on the steel stairs. Your thoughts. 
No, I agree with you completely. That when I saw this match, I was like, I don't care about either of these guys. Like, I'm like, at least this match, like we got Spot Monkey number one, Jeff Hardy's going to do his thing. But I like, I don't care about the feud. It doesn't interest me. But the match was good. It was entertaining. It's what I'm looking for. With like, so yeah, I I enjoyed, it, especially the end, the electrocution, like you said, like that was great. So I'm with you every step of the way. So no need to reiterate exactly what you just said. But WrestleMania, I think it's time to jump over to the blue brand because we've gone too long without talking about. Sami Zayn and Daniel Bryan. Look, I mean, you know, I always love these guys. I think that, you know, you're going to sit there and give me a bunch of crap, but I mean, I love Daniel Bryan. I mean, there's not another way to say it. I mean, I really, really enjoy Daniel Bryan and, and uh, he's, he's just, yeah, exactly. I'm not even going to say what you just did on the. It's, just imagine Drew McIntyre's funny sword attached to Daniel Bryan and going for Nestlemania's orifices. <laughs> I don't know what it is about the word orifices. It's just so dirty to me. Like, you know, some people hate the word moist. Like, we know, we, we're we not going to say it, but there's a certain particular person we both know that hates the word moist. Mm-hmm. The word orifice to me is just, it sounds weird. Like, it just sounds odd to me. Like, I'm going to put something in your orifice. It's like, you know, it's just, <laughs> but anyway, back to Daniel Bryan again. Well, Daniel Bryan and Sammy are good together. I mean, the fact that, you know, Daniel Bryan had a promo saying he's going to beat Sammy because he's delusional and all that stuff. Like, I love that aspect of it. And then, you know, he goes on to, to kind of rear back into Usos and Reigns, which we know is probably going to end up being at the Royal Rumble, which is fine. And I'm okay with that um, because Daniel Bryan's a top star. Roman Reigns is a top star. He's only as good as he, you know, beats people. So he gets more powerful with the people he beats. So that's Roman Reigns. And then we get into this, the, you know, the Sami Zayn promo where he's basically bitching again, which eh, anytime Sami Zayn bitches, I love it. You know what I mean? It's like if, if I could change into it, it'd be like, hey, you know what, Sammy, you are now fickle. Like he's the he's the Daniel Bryan angry guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yes. And in somebody on Twitter, I can't uh, take credit for this, but this was great. They were like, somebody switched haircuts. Like, that's what they said. Like Daniel Bryan's haircut was originally <laughs> like, that's exactly what they look like now. Um, but to me, this was the best match of the week wrestling wise. Yep. So. For the JCs out there, this was a super hot fire match of the week. Uh, if you haven't gone back and watched anything that you've watched this week, definitely go back and check this out. Now, uh, granted, it didn't end the way that we would want. However, it oh, ended no. the way the way that Sami Zayn would want because it continues it, what he's doing. It ended the way I wanted it because Sami Zayn, he never needs to win clean because that's not who he is. He never has to. His entire championship reign, people always say, oh, they, even the heel needs to win clean sometimes. No. Sami Zayn. Never has to win, like, the standard whatever. There always has to be some sort of bullshit or gaga. And him running away, and as he ran away and Daniel Bryan chased him, I'm like, Sami Zayn's going to run back and win this match. And sure enough, out he came with that big shit-eating grin in his face, and that's how he wins. It is fucking perfect booking, perfect writing, perfect execution, perfect everything. I absolutely loved it. Daniel Bryan, I'm sure, would be willing to take a haluva kick and lay down for the one, two, three. But no, this is much more effective uh, method of victory for Sami Zayn because it just continues to build up the sniveling little shit he is and how much you're supposed to hate him, how he always takes the back door away, but he still continues to win and retain that intercontinental title. I thought this was so beautifully done. I may get some hate or maybe I'll get some praise for this comment, but there is a hint of JBL. With Sami Zayn. Yeah. There's a hint. Like, you know, JBL kept winning by the skin of his teeth, you know, or winning by accident. Like, I love those kind of heels that win by accident or win by unextraordinary ways, I guess is the best way to say it. it that's what Sami Zayn is. He's unextraordinary. He, he does everything, you know, underhanded, as you said. But he's finding new ways to entertain me in a creative way. 
He's taking a DQ that I don't care about or a count out that I don't care about and go, oh, hey, part of the story. I'm cool with it, you know? So he's taking the mundane aspects of wrestling and the ways that we would always watch wrestling and go, oh, you know, as we'd say, as a channel changer or meh or, you know, like stupid kind of stuff. And he's taking those little things and those details. And again, Daniel Bryan's part of it, I'm sure. But Sami Zayn deserves a lot of credit. I know people are going to say, you know, as you made a comment, oh, people are going to talk about my, my historic IC title reign, da, 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 and they all laughed at him. But I think when all said and done, he's not going to be in the Mount Rushmore of IC champions, but I think that we're going to remember this championship reign for a very long time just based on how different it is from everything else we've seen, especially where the Intercontinental Championship, with the exception of The Miz and a couple other people I can think of, has just been dragged through the dirt. So I think that it's, in its own way, helping the championship, I guess? Yeah, no, 100%. It was just like Miz's reign, because like Miz and Sami Zayn are very similar characters in the fact that like they're just elevating it by being sniveling little shit. Because the, the one thing for me with titles is even if you don't, if you don't think they're a great champion or whatever, tell me the title means something to you. And to Sami Zayn, that title means more than anything. And he will do whatever it takes to defend it. That raises the value of the title. The people that just walk around it like as a prop or whatever, and like you don't really feel it. It's like Sami Zayn makes you feel it. Like this title means more to him than anything. And he, he says like, it's the best title it is. Because I have it, it's the best. The same thing like Miz used to say when he had the IC title. Like, that's what I'm looking for, especially in the mid card, where you already have like that big wall against you because it's called a mid card title. Is like, if you show me how much it means to you, then I'll buy it and it makes it important. You know what else, WrestleMania, I love this week? King Corbin crashing the Mysterio family interview and just cheating on them. You were probably sitting there with your popcorn going, yes, yes, Corbin, everything you're saying is good, is right. Yes, yes. Because he literally said, Everything you internet dorks wanted to say to our golden family of the Mysterios. Well, um, but then Nestlemania, it got even better because I know this got the internet wild up. I wasn't watching oh. live, but I was seeing the tweets. Oh my the God. Mysterios cheating the entire match to help Murphy beat Corbin was fucking beautiful television because Baron Corbin has never, ever, ever been in this situation because he's usually the one calling all the mischief and the bullshit and the cheating and the annoyances. But for the first time ever, we saw him with the tables flipped, and I thought it was so fucking funny. I was sitting there just laughing. You know I'm a big Corbin guy, but seeing him in this position, I thought it was freaking hilarious. They were getting their revenge on him for shitting on them. I like, I love this. I thought this was a slam dunk, home run, grand slam, hole in one, you name it. This is, goes out to Ray Ray, which I think he was the one that was really pissed off about the entire heel turn mystery. So here's for Ray. Kick you in your vagina. That's what she said. Uh, so look, Ray, look, you're wrong. The whole internet's wrong. It, it was here's 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 the thing that I I loved about this entire thing. Yes, I did laugh at the, you know, Dominic kind of sitting there not doing anything. Ray not really doing anything. You know, because we're not going to talk about Ray's eye patch because that's another thing. You know, apparently he mysteriously heals. No pun intended. As TJ said, WrestleMania, they what he won, he won his eye back. He gets his eye back. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, you to me. Let me let me ask you this, JC. What 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 doctor can you go to and say, can I have my eyeball back? WrestleMania. How long have you been watching wrestling? I'm just a long saying, fucking time. I'm this just shit saying, happens all the time. I'm just Once it's saying. no longer convenient for them, they move on. I'm fine with it. So get over yourself. All I'm asking for is divine intervention. Maybe maybe before on his way out, Rollins <laughs> decided to heal Ray's eye. That's all I'm saying. There you go. Uh, that's that was a, his sacrifice. 
to sacrifice himself at Survivor Series to get his to eyeball get back. Eyeball. And I would have believed that if the other thing had happened before the other thing, but that's not going to happen. So let's move mm. on. So Mysterio, Mysterio, Dominic, and uh, Aaliyah, for I guess a, a certain extent, uh, were all uh, running interference, Three Stooges style for Corbin. I love this for different reasons because if you had listened to the promo, he basically just undressed all of them and said how they all don't matter except for Rey Mysterio, which is essentially where we're headed. But the fact that they all got involved to me, spoke very highly of where we're headed. So we, we talk about how this is long storm, you know, storytelling and all this stuff. And I already predicted on this program, we're headed for that, that, that wedding. It might be a couple months away, but it's fucking coming. And when it's coming, JC, you know, you and I are going to have our popcorn ready. Cause we're waiting for that Seth to roll in and just go, you know, like <laughs> when I hear that laugh, I am going to, I'm it's wrestle boner time. It's ready to go folks. Uh, but so this was a very important, you know, them wait. So here's the thing that I'm trying to, to, to extend uh, to everybody that hates it. They were willing to go outside of their character to help this guy. They were that that's a family right there. When you when you're connected, like a connected tissue in that way, even though he's not really connected, buddy, they made him feel like, you know what? We're going to fight as a family for this guy. So it automatically, to me, lend credibility to the idea of as much as I don't like Dominic, as much as I don't like Aaliyah. I think that having them in there to help Buddy win, even though I know it's Murphy, I like saying Buddy better, uh, that to me made me feel like, okay, they're trying to express Lane the closeness, which is fine because in wrestling, as we know, mile a minute. So that's okay with me. So I was very excited. So the heel thing doesn't necessarily mean they're heels, guys. It just means that they're trying to tell a story here. So you can all get off your crockpots. You know, it's fine. You'll be fine. Uh, and look, as we all talk about on this program, Corbin can't have a bad match, especially against guys that are, you know, smaller than him. And everybody in that promo was smaller than him, so technically he won't have a We're bad match. We're getting a lot of good matches. We are. So the other thing, too, that made me really kind of chuckle was the fact that, like, so here's, here's, he loses. And he's a good, like, he's a gracious loser, too. Like, he, he, if he's going to lose, he's going to lose hard. So he lost. Yep. And he, you know, he threw a hissy fit and whatever, and that's fine. But if you listen closely, he said, next week, I wasn't ready for this. Next week, I'll be ready. Which implies to me, JC, that he's got some people on his side in his back. Who's it going to be? Because we've seen him use Ziggler and Root in the past, but they seem busy. Yes. Could it be someone new? I mean, it could be. But, I mean, you'd have to go through the SmackDown roster to figure out what it is. And we know there's not a lot of <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Maybe it's Cesaro and Nakamura. Duck oh, those guys off. <laughs> why would you say that? <laughs> why? Because it makes way too much sense. What a generic... Thing to do, you know, it would be better if they didn't uh, let AOP go and it was them and they were just Corbin's heavy. That'd be great. Yeah, I mean, AOP, as I talked about this program, not a big deal to me, but like the fact that uh, you're a size shamer, that's why. Yes, uh, equal opportunity, small. big or small, so it doesn't really matter, right? That doesn't matter. I will always, always have a problem with everybody. But no, look, I mean, there's no other way to describe it. It was just if it's Nakamura. Do I care? No. Is it Cesaro? Wow. No. Whoa, whoa, hold on. This is. Did you just say you don't care about Nakamura? Do you care about Nakamura? No, but I've never been like the biggest Nakamura fan. I always liked Nakamura. I respect him, but I didn't think that you'd ever get this far. Maybe that's good news for Nakamura now that you're off the bandwagon. He, yeah, he can officially not be a Nestle guy, so we can actually, you know, do something. That guy's going to flounder his way into the rest of his career and then go back to Japan and be a big star again. That's There's no freaking way. No way. That that is gonna matter. Anyway, look, I'm gonna scroll through very quickly. Uh, there's literally nobody. There's nobody. Don't don't even bother. Don't even waste your time. Or you can keep scrolling while I move on. Uh, Nestlemania. Who do I love? 
I mean, that's an open-ended question, The Miz. I mean, yes, but who do I love on SmackDown? Who entertains me more than anything on SmackDown? It's a duo. Roman Reigns. The, the duo. Street Profits. There you go. Everything these guys do, I just enjoy. And their match was the glorious, as expected. It was a great match. I was actually surprised that the glorious went over clean. But are you, know, you kidding me? Don't even. That's how we make Don't contenders. even. Don't even well, no, say I you're surprised. They, no, no. When I say that is, I mean, I thought they would have to cheat. They didn't have to cheat. They actually won clean. You don't sit here and say you're surprised. You're better than that. I was surprised at how they won, not that they won. Well, accentuate the things you say. I was trying to, but then you interrupted I did not interrupt you at all. I'm interrupting you now. Is that accentuating enough for you? No, because usually on this program we talk about 32X. Right now you're about half an X. Doing that. Yes, I am. Oh, yeah, by the way, this is a random question, and I, it just popped in my head. Where the fuck is Lars? I know, right? So that's that. So Lars I really bar. just thought of it. I'm like, I'm like thinking of people who talk slow on SmackDown. I'm like, wait a minute, Lars. We haven't seen him since those weird-ass interviews. What the hell are they saving him for? Maybe they're saving him for, maybe he's part of Corbin's uh, little gang there. Imagine, I, don't, I don't think that imagine, would be a good imagine if, ima- this is my, this is my additional hope. Imagine that, <laughs> imagine that Mojo Raleigh and Lars Sullivan are the heavy for Is Mojo even on? Smackdown? I'm guess. I'm guessing. Still employed? Maybe. I mean, what else is he doing? Stand-ins for yeah, retribution? Right. You know, like what else? Oh boy, we'll get to them later. Oh yes, we will. Oh yes, yeah. we will. So the leather jacket twins. The leather jacket twins win in a clean fashion that you're clearly you're baffled by. I don't think perplexed. That perplexed is the same thing as baffled. Look it up. It's the same thing. Synonyms. Perplexed is a better word. Though, synonyms, pal. Improve your Synonyms. diction, bitch. What? Improve your diction, bitch. That's going to be a t-shirt. Improve your diction, bitch. <laughs> just real hard in the dick. You know what I mean? Improve yeah. Your dick. Diction. Diction. It's a great word. I love the word diction. I, I know what I you know what I miss is when uh, Danny did the thing about uh, Rhonda's gumption. That was fun. Gumption's yeah, a gumption. good word. Gumption's a good <laughs> word, too. Uh, look, there's not a lot more on uh, SmackDown that I will accentuate over, except because I was going to give her my comeback, but quite frankly, two weeks in a row or three weeks in a row, whatever she's doing, it's working. Billy Kay doing the thing on commentary for 40 seconds, maybe. Not even. Accentuating, as we talked about, maximizing those minutes. Wonderful. I'm a bigger Billy Kay fan than I am Peyton Royce at this particular moment anymore. I, I Granted, we've already talked about the ceiling and all that stuff. But God damn it. I mean, if you look on Twitter and you see the resume, it's hilarious. She's doing something with nothing. She's literally doing nothing, and it's working. It's working. That's, that's literally, that's, this is why SmackDown's the better show to me, is they have less time to use everyone, and they find ways to use everyone, even if it's simple. Like, all these minor characters that, you know, if they were on Raw, they'd just sit in the back and do nothing while the same people get, like, eight segments. On SmackDown, like, even if it's something like this, they're like, yeah, go have your shot. Well, we can only give you 40 seconds, but go do whatever you want to do. And whether it's good or it's lost, it's like there's at least a large variety and opportunity for people with one less hour. That's mm. why SmackDown's a better show. It's true. It's very true. Uh, anything else you have in the uh, positive column? I mean, there was things that I liked and like maybe like didn't, you know, that I like liked more than disliked, I guess. But the only other really big thing for me that I enjoyed was the Miz is still entertaining the hell out of me right now. I enjoyed the Miz TV with them teasing Sheamus and trying to get him to turn on Drew. Obviously, they end up fighting. Miz somehow stands tall, but they kind of work that in all through the night where you have Sheamus and Drew talking. They even had Keith Lee, you know, walking over to Sheamus being like, hey, 
who are you going to turn on your boy? And Seamus is like, shut the fuck up, fella. Leave me alone. Mind your own business. You know, so it's just like, I, I actually, I really like what they're doing with Miz. I really like what they're doing with Seamus. And it's just because there's like, there's a million moving parts around Drew McIntyre right now. You obviously have the Miz and Morrison with the money in the bank. You have Seamus as his buddy. But now you also have AJ Styles, who's the next contender. So it's just, you have the title, which is the biggest title in your company. And there's so much going on around it. Again, I say, I've been saying it the last couple of weeks, but I really like that. It makes the title feel more important. It makes it interesting. It leaves open a lot of different opportunities instead of just the Stanford like, oh, McIntyre or Orton are feuding. They're going to have their 15th promo in a row this week. This yep. is better. This is different. More variety. I will say this much. I enjoyed The Miz for different reasons, and uh, I want to hit this button, but... When my hand goes up, your mouth goes shut. How do you feel about us replacing that button with correct? Because... <laughs> Um, yes, no, because every time I talk, you can just keep hitting it. Yeah, there you go. I knew you were going to love that one. But no, the, the, this, the thing that about The Miz was kind of all over the place for me was they had the thing with Miz TV on, uh, you know, with Seamus, which is fine. And I didn't necessarily believe what they were saying, what they were doing, what they could egging him on. Uh, you know, whatever. But then they did the peach cobbler. Was it the, uh, not the peach cobbler. Was it peach pie? Peach pie. Peach pie. And that was like, again... I, you know, the big man was like, why do you want that? And he's like, I'm from Georgia. I, I want the pie. And that's fine. But, like, here's the one thing that, out of everything I saw The Miz do this week, was the one thing that I harped on in my brain, where he said, when I win, John Morrison's getting the first shot. And that was mm -hmm. the only thing I took away from this entire week, which I went, well, that's going to be fun. Because we know that's not going to happen, and we know that, that he's going to be ducking that challenge. Uh, and probably, well, he'll probably end up having to based on some form of it happening, but it's just funny that I'm sure that it'll be them turning on each other once he actually wins. Uh, but what are your thoughts on that? No, I, I absolutely love it. And like, we kind of, this was like shades of like the Miz before. He always kind of had a sidekick and he was always better with a sidekick because he would use that sidekick. And obviously eventually the sidekick realizes that I'm getting fucking played, but you know, this is the first time where it isn't like a younger talent like an Alex Riley. It's John Morrison, who's a legit veteran in his own right. And they're actually friends, but he's getting used. And I think Morrison, like as goofy as he comes off, I think he knows he's being used, but he at least has that little like breadcrumb that Mrs. Leaving him like, oh, you're going to get the first shot. You're going to get the first shot. Even though it started as we're going to win money in the bank, it became Miz is going to win money in the bank. It was started as like, we're going to get this. Well, now Miz is getting this. So eventually, yes, it's going to pay off and they're setting it up. It's just Yet another little tiny storyline that they're leaving the breadcrumbs along the way. So when it happens, it'll feel like a big moment. No, I got to ask you this because I think this is an incredibly ridiculous comment. Our boy uh, Guthrie, who's the, you know, the gentleman that does the intro every podcast, said that uh, John Morrison is a poor man's Damien Sandow, I believe, on Twitter. Your thoughts? So I, I definitely get the correlation because, again, that's another Miz sidekick. And Morrison has really, like, most of his career, they tried to portray him as a serious superstar. I think that's a lot of the reason why we didn't like him, because we didn't take him seriously, because he does all the flippy-dippy moves. But this is the first time where I really like the John Morrison character, because I think he's just being himself. Like, he's just being a freaking goofball, and that's why him and The Miz are such good friends. They're just, like, they're just the two idiots that enjoy messing around, like you would with your friends. So I, I think it's similar. I think they're very different, though, too, because... The Mizdow character was a little different, whereas Morrison's more on the level of Miz. Miz just it just comes off as he's being treated lower. Whereas all these other guys were like true like Robins to Batman. Morrison isn't really a Robin. He's like kind of a superhero that's just like, you know, following him, if you know what I mean. It's different levels. 
But I think it's just a correlation. Like I can make the correlation. Alex Riley or anyone else that has been a Miz sidekick, but they're not the same. But Miz kind of treats them all the same. So, you, but yeah, if you had to pick who's who's higher in the card, is it Jomo or is it Sandow? Morrison. Oh, okay. I didn't. I, would, I think Morrison is the most legit. Like in terms of a like his accomplishments, like you can't. It's not even close. Like Morrison's accomplishments are way above Sandow, way above Riley, way above anyone else the Miz has ever had follow him around. Yeah, but do you think there's a there's a correlation there to say that because all these things are kind of similar as you talked about that maybe Jomo might be the one to actually break out of the mold and actually beat the Miz for the championship, or is that no, not necessarily? I don't, I don't, I don't know about. I don't think he beat him for the championship. I think he could beat him in a feud because Mizdow, like what made like Sandow so great was the comedy and everything about it was so incredible. Morrison's comedy is great, but it's never going to be on the Sandow level. But Sandow was never on the legit level that Morrison is. So it's just like they're balanced in like a different way where it's like Sandow, like the character in comedy was the best ever, but Morrison's by far like the best wrestler or opponent that Miz would have when the turn comes. Well said. Well said. Anything else? I got little things, but nothing big. The only other thing I guess I'd say is uh, Cedric and Woods. I enjoyed that match. And oh, yeah. The, there was, we finally had something different with the Hurt business, character-wise. And you saw Cedric, he was fired up before the match, but he was even more fired up after the match that he walked away without them. And you kind of had MVP and Shelton in the ring, like, what the fuck is going on? Do you think they're teasing something here where maybe Cedric could be breaking away or get himself in trouble with them? Or is this just, you know, they're going to have to chastise them? Like, this clearly was done on purpose. So I'm curious what the detective would have to say about this. I, you know what's funny? when you that I, It went right through my head when I was watching this. I go, okay, he's too big, big for his bridges at this point. And I'm thinking... Oh, they're gonna give him a talking. But all I could think about was he's gonna continue to be on a winning streak, and then he's gonna go like, you know what? I'm I'm the fucking man. I'm on the fucking mountain. I should be the CEO. And Bobby's gonna go, huh? And then he's gonna be like, I can take you. I can take your your, your uh, United States Championship. And he's gonna go, a what? You know, like. And then it's just like, and then he gets fucking pummeled. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what I see happening here. I would love. I mean, obviously, you know, bro is gonna happen. Maybe uh, there's are, are certain things here where you know. Cedric could maybe get involved with the riddle thing. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Uh, it is interesting to me, though, because the one thing that I want to talk about specifically was that I thought that Xavier Woods did an amazing job this week. I thought that, and especially on the mic where he said, where are the other tag teams? I, I oh, burst, dude, he's he's I, underrated in every aspect. Oh, my God. When I, I burst out laughing when he was like, where are all the other tag teams? And then he, <laughs> then he was like, then, uh, you know, Cedric comes off saying, like, I'm going to show you what the hurt and hurt business means, and he's like, uh, okay, but I thought hurt meant hurt business, but uh, all right. And then like the bell rang, and I was like, the, like the little, the little, little things he gets in there, little quibs, they're just so great. And I mean, I want this man to be king of the ring just because it's clearly something he's wanted since he was a kid. So for him to win that, I would be really excited for him to do because I think that you know Kofi had the you know the world championship run. Uh, we know Big E's getting something, and I just feel like Xavier Woods doesn't get his just due sometimes. So having him win the King of the Ring at some point would be fucking awesome. And the fact that he's willing it, he's like, it's happening, folks. It, it, it's happening. Uh, speak it into existence, yeah, baby. Yeah, you speak it into existence and it, you just yell and there it is. Uh, but listen, I don't think there's anything else that I'd really want to talk about here that I really, really, really enjoyed. So what, how do you feel about going into the heat? Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. Where to begin? Where to begin? The well, floor is yours, my friend. 
Well, let's see. Um, I'm trying to look at SmackDown very quickly because I feel like SmackDown is what it is. Uh, Bianca Belair against Natty. Meh, it is what it is. Might as well have been a jobber alert. It is what it is. I have no issue with it. It's set up Bianca Bailey, which is where we're heading, and I think that's the type of feud Bianca needs to kind of elevate her. So, sure, and I'm I think for. the thing is, is I think that if it's too much too soon, people are going to turn on it. I think that the Bailey yeah. is Bailey's universally loved. We know by a lot of people, especially somebody like TJ. Uh, that really, really, really love Bailey. So I think that I know Billy. Billy's, Billy's probably you know at the point where she's like, I've been you know carrying this show for a long time, so I need a little. She's bit of ready a, to put over yeah. a next star. And I understand I think that. that's what'll happen. I know. It's just I feel like Bianca Belair to me, you have to be handled very gently because mm-hmm. you didn't. You, I don't know if you saw the clips on Talking Smack or anything like that, but Paul Heyman and Kayla were talking uh, to Bianca, saying like, "You are the next star, not just like you are the next female star. You are the next star." They've been saying that about her since NXT. Because Charlotte went down there and like trained with her and said, this girl is going to be the next megastar in this company. And the thing about Bianca is like when people say that, it obviously puts a lot of pressure on them. And immediately think it's going to happen now. That comment was meant for like in five to six years, the more she learns about the business, the better she gets in the rain, the more she grows as a promo. Like, cause her character, like the minute it's just like when Sasha like comes out from behind the curtain, you look at her like, that's a star. Looks like a tough star acts like a star the entrance looks like a star. like everything about her is a star she's unique she has a look she's incredibly powerful you see her do some things in the rain and you're just like damn because she has a mix of athleticism and strength but she still is a very like blank canvas in terms of like the wrestling ability so that needs to develop and i think a feud with bailey is something that could really help in her growth to start to get her on that path to being that megastar people think she can be well, I will say this much. We know about this uh, on Twitter, or at least from the Dirty Dirt Sheets, is uh, if Paul Heyman puts uh, puts you over, it's pretty much a Vince McMahon, uh-uh, don't like it. You know what I mean? Like, So I'm hoping that, you know, that the Heyman praise kind of goes away and, like, let's just let's just look at the piece of work as it is and not necessarily say, like, oh, this person says this or that person says that. Like, I think if she just speaks for herself and then does what she does in the ring, I think everybody will enjoy it. I hope and pray that we're not necessarily getting this G-golly, you know, uh, baby face I think that uh, having a heel version of her is way better, uh, but we'll get there someday. That's the long term, I yeah. think. But I think you got to kind of build – the way they're doing it is okay because it's been a very slow burn with her. That's why they didn't use her, I think, a lot in the first half of the year is they didn't want her to just have meaningless segments. I think they want to keep her remaining special until they were ready to really unleash her. And now I think they're ready to more unleash her. It's, again, there's going to be ups and downs because she is – she's still, like, fairly new to actual wrestling, you know, but she's a, she's a pure athlete. She's got that swagger, which you can't teach. So in the long term, she's going to be fine, but it will. She does have a steep hill because there are a lot of expectations. Up. From one megastar to another, JC, uh, I'm curious how you feel about this because I thought this was a complete waste of my time. Uh, Carmella talking some smack and then uh, having the boss beat her backstage. Now, the reason I say this is because people on Twitter, obviously, and I, this is where I use my, I dip my toe in the Twitter pool as, as we talk about this kind of stuff. Sasha Banks is, is responsible for some of the highest ratings that SmackDown has seen for half qu- half hour quarters. Uh, and this week has been, I think they said in the last three weeks, she's been on SmackDown in a cumulative five minutes or something like that. So I'm curious how you feel. I mean, yes, you can have a cool off period, but if she is the world champion, do you feel like she needs more TV time? Do you feel like maybe Carmella needs more TV time to get this thing going? Because I feel like out of everything that I've seen on SmackDown, this to me is something I, I just, I don't care. I, it is the part where I go and get a snack before I come back kind of thing. Well, I compl- I think you just aren't a big fan of the Carmella gimmick, which I, I'm someone who really digs Carmella's promos because I remember her title reign and how good she was. And I think now that she's finally a heel again, that we got through all the R2 bullshit in that, she's kind of returning to where she's at best. 
her, putting her directly in the Sasha feud is, I think, what's tough for a lot of people because it was just kind of like, oh, there we go. But they clearly, they didn't really have any other heels they wanted to throw in there for a feud with Sasha. But I, I'm actually okay with champions, like, not getting overexposed on TV because I think a lot of the times we see too much of them and it waters them down. Like, I'm okay with them kind of giving less for Sasha. Sasha. Sasha also can be a good promo. But if you give her too long of a promo, I think she does still kind of struggle a little. I think less is more with her. It's just more effective for her to do a little less. But I think in terms of this, like, I think the back and forth between her and Carmella is going to be a lot on the mic because Carmella, Carmella's character really isn't meant to be like the go out there and prove it to you. It's more of like, I'm going to talk shit and tell you how amazing I am and how much I hate the fans. I actually liked her promo this week. I thought it was good. I thought it was, it was simple, yes. But I thought it was effective in portraying like, what her message is supposed to be. Sasha did get a little retribution there on the attack. There wasn't, I don't think this was meant to be like a big push forward. I don't think this feud is meant to be anything big yet because they're probably going to turn it into a two month thing. So I think they're trying to stretch it out a little. Um, but I do think you'll see more time devoted to it soon. I, so it's just one of those things where like, I didn't put it in my shine for a reason, but I wasn't going to put it in the heat for a reason. Cause it's just for me, I'm like in wait and see mode. Because I think there's potential there, but there's also potential for them to fucking ruin it. So. Yeah, and I think that's the hardest part for me is when I'm watching it going like, you can't go from this entire, and I mean you can because it is what it is, but you go from this incredible feud with Bailey and Sasha, and now we're kind of like almost exhausted. So I understand like why it is what it is. But I mean, if she's as hot as she's supposed to be right now, and I mean red hot, like she's in Mandalorian, she's the champion, you know, she's, as you said last week, she's the best wrestler in the world, in your opinion. And then it's mm-hmm. just like there's not enough on it. Like if, if you if you said that to Roman Reigns, like Roman Reigns ain't gonna as we've talked about on this program on plenty of times, Roman Reigns is plastered over every program. So Well, here's the difference, Nestle. Roman Reigns has plenty of people to fight. Sasha just took down her biggest competition in Bailey. They're not ready to put Bianca there. You're looking this is the problem with splitting the women's divisions. You're looking at it and it's like Carmella's really the only person there. And obviously, like you go from that Bailey feud to anything, it's gonna be a step down unless the fucking Charlotte came back. But that isn't happening. So it's going to be a co-op period. That doesn't mean anything against Sasha. It's just like, we've seen this in like AEW. Remember how hot Sheeta was? Mm. Then she naturally just cooled off because there was literally no one for her to fight. I think long-term, there's more people in WWE to fill that gap. But there was no way we were going to stay at the height of the powers of the Sasha Bailey feud. It had to come down. So I think that's kind of why they were hoping, like, Carmella's at least an established star. It's a fresh gimmick. It's probably the best we can do right now. But there's no way in hell it can live up to the Sasha Bailey thing. So it is frustrating. But again, this is the problem with having split women's divisions because a lot of the best heels are on Raw right now. And they're feuding with the Raw Women's Champion and Shayna or Nia, which I think would both be good feuds for Sasha right now. But they're on a different show. Hmm. All right, well, let's move on to something else that I know that, uh, well, there's no other way to say it. It was just absolute dog shit uh, one way or the other. So I don't even want to bring this up. Reckoning loses to Dana Brooke. <laughs> I mean, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I, we have to, we have to, we have to dive into this correctly, folks, because I have to hit it if I can find the button. Do I even have it? Yes. What's up, jobbers? Jobber alert! I was so fed up with this whole thing. We'll talk more about little things about retribution later, I'm sure. However, the, you know, at the beginning of the night, you know, Dana comes out and slaps Ali, which again, 
I was like, I like that. That was, I was okay with that. that it that's sense. fine. That's fine. You know, and then they backstage, they do something and then, you know, uh, whatever. And then we have the match where fucking reckonings mat, uh, mask comes off three seconds into the goddamn match. And then it's just Dana doing her gymnastic routine as we've seen it before or whatever. And then of course, you know, the distraction causes this and that. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, reckoning loses. And then it's like, I will not accept failure. And everybody on Twitter jumps on like, but you've been failing for like three months, guy. Like, <laughs> so, true. so like, how do you even bother with this? So, I mean, like the reckoning, I mean, we, I, we've all been talking about this program, you know, with uh, reckoning being kind of a flop. And uh, I, I, you know, I like Mia Yim as a person. I'm sure she's hilarious on Twitter. Uh, but as a wrestler, I think that she's kind of eh. So this match to me was just the lowest point, one of the lowest points, in my opinion, on. Uh, you like, ready? Yeah. Three strikes and you're out in WrestleMania. Strike one. No entrance. Already in the ring for her. Not It was a debut match, by the way. Yeah. Her debut on Raw. Strike two. You get squashed and you actually, so not only do you have the job or entrance, you have the job or loss. Strike three. It was to motherfucking Dana Brooke. Yep. Three strikes and you're out. That's what Mustafa Ali was thinking too. Or Mustafa Ali. I'm trying to say it right. It's hard. to say it the same way for so long. Mustafa Ali literally said, like looking at her like, what the fuck? We were all in the same. Three strikes and you're out. Like, I think they realized with this, like, I don't know if this might be a slow burn with her, like, breaking away from the group. And I think her taking off the mask during the match was kind of a tease to it. That was a, no, 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 that, that was a complete accident. That was a complete accident. Yeah. That was a complete accident. You're trying Probably. to be... But in WrestleMania, I think it worked in this case because I think it's foreshadowing because I think originally when they had her and Mercedes Martinez as, like, the women's tag team in it, it made sense because eventually it's like, oh... They go for women's tag team titles, but only having one woman as part of this stable is kind of like an odd woman out. Because especially now, as they kick her out, it's like, well, who, she's not going to wrestle Mustafa Ali. It's like she's not going to wrestle Flatjack or T Bar or the other guy. I can't think of his name, Dio. Uh, but it, it's so it's it's just I don't. Mace. Yeah, I don't. I think this is like I think they're going to get her away from retribution. Like I said, I think it's going to be a slow burn, but I think it's one of those things we've already seen. And I can bring it up here. Like obviously Slapjack got the big win over Ricochet with five people interfering. But the one thing I always notice is in these types of matches, like the minute the bell rang, Phillips didn't even talk about Slapjack women. He was immediately on to preview in a package for Drew McIntyre as retribution was celebrating in the ring. Normally, like if I'm supposed to care about it at all, like they'll be like, what a big win for Slapjack. And they'll talk about it. Phillips leader literally as the bell rang was already talking about Drew McIntyre like this didn't even matter. You usually see that with like whatever the match is before the main event, which happened to be Dana and Mia at this time, already moving on. But I was like, that is just so on purpose. That just shows that like Vince and the writers and everyone has seemed to lost all interest in retribution. And the only reason that they're getting TV time is because Ricochet is willing to fight them because he wants to wrestle Mustafa Ali. So it's just like, man, they have they're really like I think they're done with retribution. You think they're done with retribution? That's a very bold like, statement. Like, what else are they going to do with it? I think it served its purpose. Like, they put over the hurt business. And now they're just like, all right, what do we do with these guys? They haven't been on TV a lot. They aren't interfering in stuff really as much anymore, except for taking out Ricochet and Dana Brooke, who aren't exactly at the top of the card right now. You can say the same it's thing just, about Dominic. Dominic doesn't wrestle very much besides the Battle Royal. Yeah, like but he... Dominic's in relevant segments every week and part of a, one of the major storylines. So you're telling me Slapjack not winning is, a, is, is not a relative? That'd be messy. That'd be like if the Mysterio family wasn't on TV for two weeks. And then if they were, they're feuding with fucking, like, random, like, bottom-of-the-barrel, like, wrestler on the roster who's never on TV. Somebody might say that that's Baron Corbin. Not us, but I'm just saying, you know. That's is... definitely not Baron Corbin. He's well, like, yeah. now with Seth gone, he might be the freaking top heel besides Reigns on the roster again. 
Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn. No, no, no. Sami Zayn's pretty. Yeah, but that's that's a different type of tier. No, because you're saying he's a mid carder. That's what you're saying. You're saying it. No, no, I'm just. No, 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 no. You said what you said. Let's move on. No, no, because Sami Zayn. Yes, he is a heel, but he's a different type of heel. Okay, fine. Fine. Let's move on. Let's move. Well, you mentioned it. Are we going to talk about the Roman Reigns stuff? Because I will say, like, for me, the first segment I was watching this, I'm like, man. I'm ready for this to evolve. I'm kind of sick of Roman just bullying Jay every week and him going back as a lapdog. I'm like, I need something to give me a jolt. And you know what they did to that? Kevin Owens, that's a jolt. Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, signed me up. So this started as like heat for me. I will say it got better. Him being involved was interesting. I loved him in the main event, talking directly at the camera, which is meant to be for Roman. I love when he does that. KO does that better than anyone. That on-camera presence of just knowing and making you feel something. So I'm still torn on, like, if I thought this was good TV this week. I think that's why I kind of fall here. But I at least am excited that, okay, we finally got something different here where I've gotten sick of this Reigns, Uso, just back and forth, lapdog bullshit. At least now with KO, there's something a little different here. So I'm a, I'm going to piggyback off of what you said. I believe that you're correct. I just I don't necessarily understand why we keep doing the Jey Uso thing. And again, I'm not in the writer's room. I don't know. I'm not going to continue to come out here and say that I know something that I don't because I don't. But I mean, as a as a viewer, I look at it going, okay. Jey Uso is continued to treat it like a bitch. Jey Uso continues to act like a bitch, and then has to go out and prove himself. And, and the only way he can do it is by hitting Otis with a steel chair, beating up Daniel Bryan, uh, and I think KO was the only other one from the Survivor Series team that he could really hurt. Besides, Seth is gone, and Baron Corbin's got his own thing with the Mysterios. So it's just like, okay, well. Daniel Bryan is going to be a contender down the line. So KO is the one for now, which they did a decent job in in one night kind of putting over KO. So I really enjoy it. Like the KO versus Roman Reigns, we know that's going to be a good match. We saw it live on Hell in a Cell. Like it's going to be a good match. Uh, but it's, I don't know how I feel about it going forward because I know it's a one-off and I feel as if it's TLC and the Royal Rumble to me those matches don't necessarily matter. Like, it's just like, once we get into WrestleMania season, like, these la- these next five months for me don't necessarily speak to me when it comes to contenders. Like, I don't necessarily can care about the contenders as much. I really don't, because we know that those belts are probably holding, like, Roman Reigns ain't losing that championship to WrestleMania. Drew McIntyre may lose that before WrestleMania. Maybe he won't. I don't know. But, I mean, like, you look at it from a, you know, standpoint of, does this really matter? You know, like in the- I agree with you in terms of that, but I also think like because we see it all the year at every Royal Rumble, they always find like who are people that we can plug in, even though people know they're not going to win the title, but it's going to be entertaining as fuck, and you look forward to the match. Sure. That would be AJ Styles and Kevin Owens. We know they're not going to win, but we know AJ is going to give Drew a hell of a feud and a hell of a match. Same thing with Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns. So it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you say it doesn't matter, but to me, like I don't care. Because it's going to be incredibly entertaining television. And like, it's one of those things, like when I'm watching, like, yes, I, in an ideal world, you want everything to matter. But hey, WWE doesn't keep records. They don't give a fuck about records. So it's like, why am I watching? Well, I'm watching to be entertained. And at least with these two contenders, you can say it doesn't matter. But it's going to be better television than probably even when it does matter. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Speaking of what could be good television, we haven't really talked about it. I don't necessarily know if this is a heat but Hit the button, bitch. You want me to do it so you can dance, huh? All yep. right, fine. Hold on. I'm just in the other ring. Here you go.
All that extra noise was him waddling in his chair, folks. So Yeah, my chair is creaky. It's an old chair, so you yeah. get to hear the creak as I wiggle. Yeah, it just sounded like you were like three seconds away from going ass over tea kettle. That's what it looked like to me. <laughs> You're like, like almost one of those like, whoa, 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 backwards cartoon things. But uh, so look, so here's the thing that I really just didn't know. Like, so we have the, the front part of this whole thing at the beginning of the show. We have Randy Orton and Bliss, which again, I didn't necessarily mind. I thought it was good. Bliss is great. Uh, mm-hmm. Randy Orton comes out and says like, you know, his normal Randy Orton robotic voice of like, you know, I uh, burned down his house and uh, I know him better than you and all this stuff, which is fine. And he said, you know, the reason I beat Bray Wyatt is because I found out a weakness. And then he says, I know his weakness now for The Fiend. And he stares at Bliss. And of course, you know, as of nowhere. Yowie, wowie. We got something that comes out of nowhere where, you know, the lights go off. We hear the doom. But before we did the doom, doom, doom thing, you know, that they do. uh, Bliss said something that was very telling, JC. She said, uh, who's manipulating who? And uh, I'm curious because in my brain, I was thinking to myself, could Bliss be kind of fucking with the the fiend a little bit here? Like, is is she the one trying to believe that she's in control of what's going on? That would be a twist because I I just like I I will say my favorite part of this was the one upsmanship of like Alexa thinking the fiend is like controlling Randy Orton, but Orton also thinking he's getting one over in the fiend. I kind of like that. I left a, uh left it open ended. I didn't really love the ending. I think that's why it kind of like soured for me. It was like. They were building it up like it was going to be this cool moment. And then we come on with, they did like the really slow burn, the lights going out with them talking in between. And I, I really liked that. They had me. But then the reveal was like, Randy's holding her. And the fiend comes out, like for the first time, showing vulnerability. Right. And just like asking for her back as opposed to like taking her back because he obviously doesn't want to harm her. So like, I get what they were doing, but it just was kind of like, they were building it up. And then it was just like, the air just came out of the balloon. And I was like, okay. It's interesting, and I don't think they answered it. And I think that's on purpose. I didn't really think about the Blisk uh, kind of being the one manipulating, which maybe she's manipulating them both. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But I did like that they mentioned, like, could this be Orin's plan or could this be the Fiend's plan? Are they just kind of running circles around each other because they both think they're one step ahead? They're both Since they're both one step ahead, they're just kind of, like, dodging each other. So I do think that this will be interesting in terms of, like, those kind of, like, mental games because these are two of the characters in wrestling history that use like the mental mind games better than anyone. So obviously that's why the fuse for these guys, like it's going to be a great feud when we get to the match. It'll probably let us down because our expectations will be through the roof like they have in the past. But it is, I think there's this one is obviously just getting started. There's so much left open. And I honestly, I don't have a freaking clue, man. I'll be honest. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not, I love this stuff. Cause obviously I, I live for this kind of stuff. I just, like you said, when they when he had her, I was like, okay, great. What he should have done when he had her was just kind of sit there and go, okay, and throw her so that he could catch her and then roll out. Or, like, not that he could do this, but it would be kind of cool because then it would lead a little bit more speculation where he could throw Bliss for the Fiend. The Fiend had to catch her. Then he's he's stuck. He has her. Then he could try to RKO her because he uh, RKO the Fiend because the Fiend couldn't do anything. Now, I know we can't get that because then, of course... The Fiend would have to get back up and no-sell it. But at least it'd be something like, I got you because now you're stuck, instead of like, please give me back my girlfriend. You know, like that was what it felt like to me, which was stupid. And I just, I, again, we know this is going to end up being a good result and we're going to get there. But every single time they muck it up too much 
And I think that if they just let it be sometimes, it would be so much easier for us because we know that the history's there. We know they're going to go back to Sister Abigail. And I feel like the Abby puppet needs to have a little bit more going forward. And I'm hoping that that's what we're going to get because, you know, they have to make that noise about it. You have to make that that feeling about it, that it, it's it's there and it's 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 kind of ingrained in what they're talking about. So again, not necessarily a great subject, subject but it is what it is. Yeah, no, my, my last note is a lot of people, like I know they like, because we like to put labels on things like good guys, bad guys. But I think what kind of makes the theme so special is he's just kind of his own thing. And a lot of people are looking in this feud since like Orton's such a big heel that this will be the big quote unquote baby face time for the fiend. Like if that's how you want to put it, sure. But like, I don't need that. I, I, the great thing about the fiend is I think he can feud with anyone because he kind of just does whatever he wants. He's like, he's just his own thing. He's undefined. Um, so I don't, I don't really see it as that. I think Orton, I think it's one of those things where it's like, I think some weeks the fiend should play the heel. Some weeks Orton should play the heel. And I have no problem with it, but I just like, everyone's always wanting to put labels on shit. Why do we got to label everything, my man? We went over the same thing like earlier in the past with other people, but it's just, that's just my final note on it. Yeah, there's not much else to really talk about about the rest of the week. I just, uh, I'm just curious hopeful. to see how. Yeah, you want to get hopeful? All right, go ahead. Yeah. I will. I will get hopeful then. Let's hit this button. Glorious. You're my only hope. You know what, WrestleMania? I'll go first because I know both of us are kind of cutting our pants down this week in terms of hopes for whatever reason. But you know what? I'm gonna head over to AEW because this week in AEW they have their AEW World Championship match between John Moxley and Kenny Omega. And this match has obviously been hyped forever. And it's one of those things where it's like, wow, this isn't on pay-per-view. It's on regular TV. Does that mean if this was WWE, we're probably going to get a schmoz and then they'll delay this match to the pay-per-view? Well, I don't want that, WrestleMania. I want this to be a clean, legit television match where Kenny Omega wins the AEW championship. I don't want no bullshit. Find a way to make it fucking the entire, like, you know, they go commercial free, like the first 20 minutes of the show. Save all, get all your commercials out early in the show. And let the main event be commercial free. That's also part of my hope. I want a, a legit match, commercial free, main event, and I want Kenny Omega to win. I want this, like, you're making a big deal about this winter of coming. Don't just make me think it's a big deal. Prove to me that this is a big deal. Change the title over. We know eventually, I think, I believe Moxley has some uh, daddy daycare too, doesn't he? I believe if so, I'm, yes. uh, not mistaken at some point, but I think it's the time. There's no reason to drag this out. You can always have them have a rematch, maybe at a pay-per-view down the line when Moxley... I mean, I don't think Moxley has really lost in the singles match this year, so he'd probably still be the number one contender. But it's just, I think it's time. The cleaner's been great. I, you know me, I'm an entrance guy. I'm a gaga guy. The cleaner has some of the best gaga going right now with the little the sweeper girls and yeah, everything else. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you I love, love sweeper the girls. He's, he's trying to be the next Undertaker. Him and Roman Reigns are the longest entrance ever. But you know what? Give him the belt. Put it on him. That's my hope. Omega champ. Hashtag JC knows. Hashtag JC hopes come true. Well done. I look. We'll talk more about the predictions uh, later on in the program, of course, in the in the uh, the finish. But I will say my hope this week is going more into the Sami Zayn feeling. We got a little bit of taste of it with Big E and uh, you know backstage and all that stuff. I would love to see Big E get the Intercontinental Championship at TLC. I think that based on the way that Sami Zayn is going, I think that it would be great to have some chicanery here, maybe a tables match or maybe. I, even a ladder match would be a lot of fun, I think, in a lot of ways where Sami Zayn can get, you know, maybe upset that he's got to hang his championship or he's at a disadvantage. Clearly, don't give him a, a chairs match because nobody wants a chairs match. But, oh, we're giving the dreaded stairs match, maybe. I don't know. But, stairs, 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 stairs. Yeah. 
But no, I, I definitely think it's time to pull the trigger on Big E. I think that Sami Zayn has done a great job, but I think that, uh, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that Big E needs to have something around his waist soon because otherwise it feels like, what are we doing with him? We're just kind of like hitting pause and then unpausing and hitting pause again. So I'm hoping and praying that there's some type of great stipulation and Sami Zayn has done great, but I think Big E, it is now your time to be the IC champion. So that's my hope this week that uh, TLC is big for the Big E. I agree with everything you said. I think they set it up perfectly this week. I think it makes sense to have Big E prance around with that IC title until WrestleMania after he wins the Royal Rumble, have Roman Costin forward along the way. Maybe Jay Uso beats him for the Intercontinental title because of Roman. And then Big E beats Roman at WrestleMania. Nestle, uh, I almost said WrestleMania. You should say because WrestleMania, WrestleMania is just as big. And we'll combine our powers to make Big E the greatest ever. There you go. For WrestleMania, I believe it's time to move on to the... Don't call it a comeback. First time in Jobberknocker history. Nestlemania, what hasn't happened the last two weeks on Monday Night Raw? Somebody has not gone through a table. So for the second week in a row, Lana, you get my comeback. Because not only that, like she won a match last week, but she didn't get the pin last week, Nestlemania. Lana got the pin on Shayna Baszler this week. I LOL. They are just finding more ridiculous ways for Lana to just accidentally win matches. And I'm all for it. Keep building her up until she wins a motherfucking title. You know this is going to be a tables match at TLC, and you know that Nia's going to fall through a table, and Asuka and Lana, uh, Asuka and fucking Lana are going to become the women's tag team champions. So Lana, you get you, you got two weeks in a row now, a new streak of JC's comeback. The streak continues, folks. Look, I uh, I don't even know how to explain, explain this, but... Uh... <laughs> So the, the thing about Alana was, like, she botched her promo. She was like, me and Shayna. And I'm like, you mean you and Asuka? But that's all right. We'll let that go. Of course, Asuka has to help her win at the end. And Shayna does a great job being a good, you know, like, sidekick, kind of like, fuck you to Nia. Which, again, it is what it is. Um, but my comeback this week goes to one Slapjack. I cannot believe he won. I was so excited. They gave him promo time. I couldn't believe that they let him speak with that hockey mask on him. I was <laughs> beside myself. I was like, he could still speak with that thing on. He looks like he's a freaking hockey puck. Uh, but look, he won. Uh, Ricochet lost to five guys, but that's okay. Burgers and fries, it happens. And so, <laughs> Slapjack, you get my comeback. Hopefully this is the big momentum shift we've been praying for for Retribution, <laughs> as JC has probably correctly predicted that they're on their way out, but goddammit, I'm holding out hope that Retribution isn't a shit stain on 2021. Here we go. Yeah. A girl can dream. Anyway, let's hit that big finish. Oh, wow! Well, as we finish off this podcast, WrestleMania, I would like you guys to head over to iTunes or Anchor or Spotify or Stitcher or Amazon or Google Play or YouTube, wherever you are watching or listening, and give us five stars, five flames, like, whatever you got to do. It helps us out. We really appreciate it. Uh, our website is jobbernocker.com. That's where you can find uh, some of the best weekly articles like In the Biz, Impact on Tuesdays, NXT and AEW on Wednesdays, NXT UK on Thursdays. Also, uh, NXT's having some war games this weekend, so the entire staff will have their predictions on jobberknocker.com. Um, and there's also all sorts of great articles in the archives. You should always check out that. We are going to get to our predictions on the podcast here in a moment, as well as the AEW previews for Winter is Coming. But uh, you know what? You should always be following the Jobberknocker on Twitter, at Jobberknocker, at Nestlemania, at JC of the JK, at EQ of the JK, at Ray of the JK, at BillyD2411, at JoePollock47, at TJ of the JK, at ZombieFed33, at Danny Fab with one end, one end, one end. Facebook Jobberknocker, Instagram Jobberknocker. Because WrestleMania, wherever you want to be on social, 
media. It's true. Leave a goddamn comment and review, folks. Let everybody know that we are super hot fire. Where would you like to start, my friend? Let's AEW go to, or NXT? Let's go AEW. I think it's a big deal. So we have four matches that I know that are booked. The first one where it's just like uh, they're promoing this like it's a huge match. Jericho versus Kazarian in a battle of the old. I'm assuming Jericho's going to win. Yeah. Yeah, let's go with that. All right. No one really cares. Uh, moving on, we have Team Taz. Uh, newest member, Will Hobbs, teams with uh, Ricky Stark to take on Cody Rhodes and Darby Allen because, you know, they just got to have tag matches every week. Uh, this will probably be a fun match, but uh, I'm assuming that the Taz boys are just going to keep winning. No, I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to go with Darby Codes. Ooh, yeah, I like it. I think, I think, I think these, I think these bleach blonde assholes are gonna find a way to beat out the fucking team. Extremely upset Taz, Mister Harumph himself, with this damn Ugh. hat that's too low. Everybody gets upset that his hat's too low when he's, he's cutting <laughs> no, that, promos. That might just be me. Yeah, you're but... like, you're like, why does Taz come out with his hat so low? I can't low? see his eyes, WrestleMania. When people are talking, I need to look into their eyes so I can feel it or, or know if they're being authentic. He's fucking hiding it from But he's a heel, brother. He's a that heel. That is true. You're supposed and he did to hate him. Out Cody last week when they were talking about that, his son. Oh I God! Can we, nice can, we, can, we, can we just for a second? Can we talk about that stupid segment? That was the stupidest fucking segment I've seen in, in television in the last year. Yeah. I mean, it's, the fact too that much they fucking yeah, that's part of it. But part of the other part is the fucking road. It, he's he is he Rhodes needs to stop with this fucking. I'm the fucking. I'm the guy. Stop like no, no, I'm I management. Love it. I love I'm it. middle this management. Is off little marks he, like you. He, like, oh my God, Cody Rhodes. If his name was Cody Smith, I wouldn't care about him. No, 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 no. That's not it. He's one of the best wrestlers on the planet. I'm not disagreeing on the wrestling portion. I'm just agreeing on the fact that he comes out with his goddamn pea coat in a fucking sixty degree Florida. Yeah, and doing he's his thing to be like an arrogant prick. That's the point. He's a fucking no. I just what a CEO of the company. Like, I just don't believe it. Like, I just, I, there are certain things about realism. Like, even if it is real, I don't believe it. Like, Taz choking him out to me well, was the most extraneous thing. Because it's literally real. No, 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 no. That's like being like, oh, man, water's not wet. I don't believe it. It doesn't <laughs> feel wet. It's, it's not wet. It's dry. The Water earth, is dry. The earth is not round. <laughs> All right? Okay, Kyrie. Anyway, bad I don't like that Chad Taz could choke out. I don't believe that for one second either. Like, yeah, me either. Taz, it was, it Taz, was, Taz, Taz looks like he's got steel hips. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, he could barely do anything. Like, he had to be on a fucking tippy-toe fucking milk cart to even get the fucking, you know, Katahajime on him. That's what it is. You know? You don't even know what the Katahajime is. Stark, left Taz. Ricky Starks, no. Ricky Starks, by the way, was the first person to start the no- Socks with shoes trend, and everybody else is love ripping it. them off, ripping them off I love it. everywhere. If you notice, the I Miz it. does it, and Seth Rollins does it. So Ricky Starks ahead of the curve. I love it. Speaking of ahead of the curve, next up, I don't know how this is ahead of the curve, but I just did it. Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal. I believe this is number two. MJF won it last year. He gets to defend his ring because I this didn't have stakes. It was just for the ring. But it's MJF, Wardlow, Sammy Guevara, Heyman Adam Page, Sean Spears, Scorpio Sky, Orange Cassidy, Miro, Kip Sabian, Matt Hardy, both members of Private Party, uh, Evan Bourne, and the two Dark Order guys, John Silver and the other guy, I don't know his name. Those are the people on the graphics. There could be more. That who's in it. WrestleMania. does MJF defend it or does my pick? Hangman Adam Page, who would look good with a ring, win it. No, I don't think Hangman's going to win. I don't think even MJF is going to win because this is the way to get MJF a loss without losing. So I'm going to go with Sammy's going to win this one so they can continue Come having Sammy. Ooh. Sammy's going to have the ring and get upset. So then MJF will get upset with him. They'll have a small mini feud. And then eventually, boom, Sammy gets the boot. Sleeper picks. 
Sean Spears or Scorpio Sky? Two Sleeper guys picks, that... yeah, because... No. Wow, you just insulted two of the best wrestlers on the roster. That nobody gets to watch. That is not true. They uh, had a great match on TV a few weeks ago to accommodate their feud, which uh, Spears won. Uh, next up, we have the main event for the AW Championship. I hope and I am predicting that Kenny Omega will walk away as champ. How about you? I'm calling bullshit. I think that John Moxley holds on to that championship or there is some type of something that we don't know is going to happen. A surprise, maybe. I think something's going to happen where you're like, holy shit, this is a big surprise. And it's going to be after Moxley wins by some type of chicanery. Lame. I, don't, I, I just. WrestleMania. It's time for war games. You did it. You did it way, way more bassy than William Regal. War games. Yeah, because. I, war games. Yeah, I, I, I was going for the non British version. Well, maybe the British version is better. Just like every other well, television maybe show. maybe it's not. But we have four matches we got to predict. Like we said, jobberknocker.com, you can see the whole staff picks. But Nestlemania, our guy, Cameron Grimes, takes on Dexter Loomis in a strat match. This, I mean, you guys had a fucking blindfold match. and It was the most entertaining thing on the show. Um, I'm assuming Loomis is going to keep winning, but I don't care because he's a great TV. You think that Loomis is going to win? Interesting, interesting. Do you I'm, not? I Listen, I'm going to go out on a limb here, folks, and I'm going to say... To the moon, baby. He's gonna win by I accident. He's gonna win by accident. I love him so much. He's gonna win by accident for sure. This is this is a way to have him win by accident. It's gonna be one of those things where like I can envision it now. Dexter Loomis is gonna take the strap and string him up by his neck and hang him up from the backside. He's gonna lug him around. I know, like from back to back, like a backpack. And he's gonna tap the corners. If they do the corners gimmick, then definitely. Grimes is going to win. If it's a pinfall, it could be anybody's thing. But I think there's going to be some type of weird roundup kind of thing that they're going to do when Grimes is going to cave in by accident or win by accident. It's going to happen. It's got to happen. I hope you're right because he deserves to go to the moon. Next up, we have a triple threat match for the NXT North American Championship. The champion, Leon Ruff. My guy defends against Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest. WrestleMania, what do we always say about triple threats? It's an easy way to retain do they go that route, though? I don't believe so. I think a lot of people are thinking Leon Ruff is going to win. I do not think that. I think we're going to hit reset, and I believe that the uh, the most generic-looking Roman Reigns archer is going oh my to God. particularly— He is. He's like Roman Reigns, but not Roman Reigns. He's he's Damian Priest, so I'm going to pick the, uh, the Priest. Interesting. I'm going to go with my guy, Leon Ruff, because I don't know. I, I, I honestly, I do think he might lose, but— you know what? I'm picking my guy because I'm proud to see that man shine. Breaking out of the jobber of the year category into no, his own No, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think he still deserves to be in that category because even as a champion, they're treating that poor kid like a jobber. So, hell, he might have fucking locked it up in my world. Well, we're going to find out later this month, I guess. We will. We will. Uh, next up, we have the first of two War Games matches. We have Team Shotzi made up of Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, Rhea Ripley, and Io Shirai taking on Team Candice of Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, and Maduro, Tony Storm, Nestlemania. I have no idea who's going to win this match. I don't believe it matters. I mean, I, I don't think whoever wins, there's no stipulation in this. Like, well, at least we know that, here's the thing. And then I'm going to get TJ all over me. TJ's going to be like, you don't even watch NXT. And I do, but I don't watch it with a fine-tooth comb like you do, buddy. Uh, it, look, I will say this much. At least I know the Pat Pack versus Undisputed Era has been months. Has been months. You've been waiting to see the Pat Pack get theirs. This one seems a little bit less eh 
to me, like this should start off the show or this one should be something that I'm still very interested in because, oh my God, Team Candace. I mean, I can't say enough about Team Candace. I mean, literally it, it, everyone on that team is just, I, I. Do you I, need a minute? I, I mean, come on. Do you agree? Do hey. you, I said, I said to TJ, I think this is, that is, this, this is the hottest team I've ever seen in my life. Tony and Dakota could be one of my favorite tag teams. So let's put that way. Raquel, I know you guys give me shit. Yeah, I know it. you're big on the Raquel. Oh I'm God. not a climber. So that I'll is, play to that woman, that woman literally is going this, this woman right here. I'm telling you right now, she is, I'm not going to put her in the category cause I don't want to botch her career, but I'm telling you right now, having her and Rhea Ripley, they are going to help each other out going further. Like, I think that they are so good for each other going forward. I really do believe that. Especially where Leah, Rhea Ripley is way head and shoulders going to be a bigger star. I think she's going to help Raquel in such so different ways. But anyway, I'm going to pick, against my better judgment, I'm going to pick Team Shotzi. Yeah, I, I think this is uh, this has babyface written all over it because the heels have just gotten the one up the entire time. I think it'll set up with uh, EO's next challenger, whether it's whether it's Ember Moon, oh, it's, which I think it obviously makes a lot of sense. So, um, unless if it's Tony and Ember for a little bit, and maybe it's Shotzi versus EO again, who knows? But I, I think this is a babyface win. Next up, we go to what I think will be the main event: uh, the Undisputed Era of Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Reddick, Strong, and Bobby Fish taking on the Pat Pack of Pat McAfee, Pete Dunn, and your NXT Tag Team Champions Oni Larkin and Danny Burch. WrestleMania, I think the Pat Pack's gonna win and end the streak of Undisputed Era at War Games. You think the Pat Pack is going to win? All right, I'm going to go. I the, do. I think it's time for McAfee to stand tall. Stand tall. He's been standing tall the whole goddamn time. I no, gotta... but I mean in terms of an actual match. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. The Undisputed Era doesn't need this. But like for the Pat Pack to cement themselves as like the guys at NXT, they need to beat the, the ones that have been the guys for the last couple of years. I just, I think that I want to see the Undisputed Era beat the piss out of him and win in a definitive way. I want to see Pat McAfee get, like, drilled. Like, here's the thing that, that, that has to happen one way or another, regardless of who wins. Pat McAfee has to do something off the top of that cage and have a big kaboom. A big kablam. That's what it's got to be. Because that's the only thing that's going to trend, and that's the only thing that anybody's going to care about. And that's how you launch NXT for all of other people that don't necessarily care about NXT that are going to get more eyeballs on it. So... I that has to be definitive. It doesn't happen. It's not a check mark. It doesn't matter to me that matchup. Pat McAfee has to fly off that cage somehow. But I am going to pick the UE because I think that I want to see them win in a way to get all their shit back because they've been getting just the hinges beaten off of them for weeks. And I think it's now time for the uh, reluctant baby faces, I guess, in this way to actually be the winners and being the staples of war games. Final question. Does Finn Balor get involved in this match one way or the other? I don't care. I don't think so. Because he was kind of part of the build. I don't I don't see why it makes any sense. Like, unless somebody on Undisputed Era gets hurt, like Bobby Fish or something, then that's Well, it's I've... one of those things. It's like we assume that Pat McAfee might have hired that dude that attacked him, that attacked uh, Undisputed Era, remember, and he got hurt. So I think there's, there's like some sort of time, but it's also like if they want to go full heel him, Finn Balor, they could have him turn on the Undisputed Era and help the Pat Pack. Like it's, I think there's there's a way for him to get involved. I don't know if they do. I think they might save it for how we go moving forward. But I think there's an outside chance Finn Balor could, in one way or the other, make his presence felt in this main event. I think they're going to have something extra. Maybe there's a Kyrian Cross thing where he just 
comes out and says, Oh, that's, that is, that, see, that is true. We have him waiting in the wings too. So and I, he, I think he's cleared. So I think we're going to have to somebody set on fire. Although if Shotzi doesn't come out on some, some well, you never know. It's, it's, it's Kyrian Cross. He does things with like, she's been repairing her tank, I believe. So that's the thing. So. I want to see a giant, I want the four of them to come out on a tank together because that's what they should do. Like, think about when DX came out on a tank. That was pretty cool. But having Shotzi drive an actual tank tank would be fucking awesome with those four. They're not getting an actual tank tank, but uh, I've been, they get her mini one back. Are all four of them get mini tanks? That's fine. Give a little bit extra. Give a little bit of the extra. That's all I'm saying. It, it, it I bet, you know what? NXT always does have the extra, especially the entrances, so we'll get something. I'm sure TJ is super boned up for NXT. You should be too, because War Games is one of the best parts of the year. TJ does a great job covering it. Maybe we can even get an NXT hangover. We haven't discussed this. I assume that TJ will probably want to talk about it at some point. So hopefully you guys enjoy everything that you get to watch this week. We will definitely be back next week with more Jobber Knockery. War Games!